Welcome to Gimli Talks. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah, I am Cameron Hoadley, and this is Mpiti. My name is Mpiti Musutwani. Yeah, and I'm from the United States. And I'm from Lesotho. And it is either five o'clock in the morning or at night. But regardless, we're drinking coffee. And because this is a first episode, I have a question for you. Okay. I am very curious. We've been able to get to know each other for about six months. And our first interaction with each other was me helping you find your suitcase and your place to live. Yes. And (laughs) I found it very interesting, especially when it came to how many people, there's like 40 internationals, and they brought them to Gimla. And now we are sitting here together. What was your reason for choosing to stay with Gimla? And in so doing, we now developed a relationship with a common interest. Mm-hmm. Why stick with Gimla? And what? Uh, why would you say, and why would you appreciate this kind of space as well as the people? Well, when we uh, first heard about Gimla, I believe it was... Um, during that presentation that uh, one of the EVS guys gave. Mm-hmm. And we, I think, were inside the tank when he was talking. And it just, it resonated with me quite well. And in fact, uh, I remember a number of students uh, actually signed up when they sent out the volunteer form. I signed up as well, uh, not knowing what to expect. Uh, later on, uh, I also signed up for INSP. And a lot of the people who volunteer at INSP also double up and volunteer here as well. So it was kind of a natural progression to uh, yeah, go to both places because uh, they're quite interlinked in the sense that the social circles at both places tend to overlap quite a bit. And so um, I guess in summary, uh, my main reason for sticking with Gimle is because of the social circles uh, that I'm a part of. Uh, But moreover, I think mm, specifically on uh, Gimla itself, there's just so much that this place offers. Uh, Just looking at this setting that we're in now, it's so nice and cozy. And I think um, this is what typifies this place and part of the appeal to me, at least. Just coming to a place that's nice, cozy and right in the heart of the city of Roskiller and uh, just being in good company having nice food, nice drinks, and just hanging out. I think, uh, yeah, that's really part of the great appeal for me. Mm -hmm. What about you? Usually when it comes to, like, going to a new place, this is my first time in Europe. Okay. I have always found it trying... I'm trying to, like, diverge from, like, being the tourist and exploring the area and going to the main spots and volunteering has always been finding meaningful connection instead of like being paid for money you go there and you're paying for the meaningful relationships and the time Mm -hmm. and the moment when it came to the foundation course which is what we were part of Mm -hmm. they were throwing these volunteer initiatives in front of us Mm -hmm. and i was like yes (laughs) and i remember signing up and making sure that everyone in my dorm would Mm -hmm. sign up as well Mm -hmm. just to make it where everyone would be inclusive and to be able to experience as well because doing volunteer shifts back home Mm -hmm. has been very beneficial. And when it came to this as well as INSP, I remember having a very like deep interest in Gimlet and Mm -hmm. then finding out that you were doing INSP actually motivated me to go. And from that point, 
the people that were regulars, that were people from France, as mm -hmm. well as certain areas of Europe, progressed me to come back mm -hmm. and just develop that relationship more and more. So mm -hmm. even when it came to like doing volunteering, it was always going for the company mm -hmm. and sharing that as well, because it's honestly quite incredible when it comes to people that admire volunteer initiatives mm -hmm. and just kind of trying to share that moment of making it meaningful. And mm -hmm. that's why I always choose to come back because you don't know mm -hmm. like what the night will carry. Mm -hmm. And that's why I appreciate it. And that's my motivation was just my past volunteer history. Mm -hmm. Why would you, and if it was in your like plethora of like, you know, life, why would, did you have volunteer initiatives in the past? Mm -hmm. And like, what ended up bringing you to Denmark? Mm -hmm. What were you doing before? Okay. Well, before I get to that, I'll just uh, go back to a point you mentioned about how Gimle is this international environment. And I completely agree. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people who come here are from different places around Europe and around the world. And many of these places I personally have never been to. And coming to Gimle, uh, is just an opportunity to, I guess, in a sense, go to the world because the people of the world are here. So I think, uh, yeah, that's uh, an excellent point that you mentioned. But <clears throat> when it comes to the volunteer initiatives that I've had in the past, I think one particularly uh, relevant one uh, in connection to Gimla and INSP as well is a place called Food Bank. Uh, in the city of Maastricht in the Netherlands. I lived there many years ago. And I remember uh, I used to go there. Uh, what it was was um, it was a place where students and people in the city of Maastricht could go every Friday and have free food. And the food was sourced from uh, people who would sell in the local market and supermarkets. And so food bank had an agreement with all of these people and they would donate the food. And what we volunteers would do is in the afternoon on Friday, we would go around the city and collect the food and then uh, cook the food. And then in the evening, people would come to food bank and we would just have a great time. And the whole uh, concept of the place uh, was that you would go there for free and however much you felt that the meal that you ate was worth was how much you could, if you wanted to, volunteer to pay. And I love this place precisely for the same reasons as I love Gimle, the international atmosphere, the people and so on. It was lovely. And so when I arrived at uh, INSP, I remember I met a guy named Rob. Now Rob uh, is actually from the Netherlands and had actually lived in the same city. And so when I mentioned to him that I used to go to food bank, he was, of course, absolutely flabbergasted because he too also used to go there, and it was an immediate connection. And we started talking a lot, of course, and so that's also part of the reason why I ended up becoming so intimately connected to both places. Um, yeah, so I don't think, uh, I don't recall the question you asked, but uh, I think that's a long-winded uh, answer. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll yeah. uh, I'll kind of add on to that because uh -huh. the reason why I was like really excited about Gimla mm -hmm. is I used to volunteer at a theater okay. and they would do concerts. Uh -huh. And what happened with the volunteers is you could have access to 
the whole building. Uh-huh. And I remember just casually walking in, like nervous. And I'm, I went to the first person who was like setting up the stage. I went in a half hour early. And uh-huh. I'm like, hey, do you know the manager? And she looks so confused. She's like, I have no idea who this is. Uh-huh. And so I like started to walk around and went up to the building. And later I found out that was the lead singer of like this bluegrass band. And uh-huh. she's like got many awards. And I progressively started to go more often. And you could... Uh, as a volunteer, go and hang out with the bands, uh-huh. and you would get backstage, and you could just sit there and just watch and see the sh- entire show. Mm-hmm. So I would go every Friday night at and volunteer there and do that. And I was like hoping, you know, that I would get a similar experience <laughs> coming uh, to the Raven as uh-huh. well as Gimla. And when it comes to volunteer initiatives, you don't necessarily know what you're going in for. Mm-hmm. So I was a security guard. Mm-hmm. And when it came to here, it was like bartending. And mm-hmm. I never bartended before. So mm-hmm. I was going to be like, I'm going to gain that mm-hmm. and add that to my catalog of different things that I can do. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, you just kind of develop a relationship with the people mm-hmm. and get those like side benefits because now you can write that on your resume. Of, like mm-hmm. I was a, bar- t- a mm-hmm. bartender at one point and I was mm-hmm. a security guard. Just all these different like <laughs> things that you can add to it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of my main initiative with it. But... I know that you came from different Scandinavian countries mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily know exactly why you ended up in Denmark. Mm-hmm. So you're originally from Lesotho. That's right. Uh, why, why the Scandinavian area? Like mm-hmm. what was your interest, especially before you came here and what has been your experience up to this point and why you made the decision to come now in Roskilde? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that's quite an interesting question. Um, I don't know that there necessarily has been a plan in mind to say, I'll go to this country, do this and then that. But it's more been a steady natural progression from one place to another. And so I'm in my mid-twenties now. And initially when I left uh, Lesotho, my plan was to come to Europe, uh, study for my bachelor's degree, and then hopefully afterwards return back home uh, because that's where my uh, entire family is. And so it kind of still is my plan to this day. But uh, as I think um, it was Robert Frost who wrote the poem, um, uh, what the, the one about two roads. Do you remember what, what the title is? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. It goes, uh, two roads diverged in a yellow wood and be one traveler. I stood before both and looked at both of them. And so I butchered the words, but uh, it's words to that effect. And so essentially, uh, different opportunities presented themselves to me. Uh, I finished my bachelor's degree, and then afterwards I thought, uh, well, uh, I could go back home uh, or I could continue studying. And um, I actually found uh, the University of Roskiller during that process of deciding whether to go home or to continue studying. Uh, Where I was living at the time, uh, I knew a bunch of people from Roskiller, actually. And I spoke to them a little bit about the city and about the university. I liked what they said. And I also did my own research online about um, the city, about the university, and its proximity to Copenhagen. And I thought to myself, this is actually quite, uh, would be quite an ideal place to be because uh, all of this was happening, I believe, last year. And it was right at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
And I was thinking to myself, if there's any place in the world that would be ideal to be in, perhaps Scandinavia is that place. And a compromise between the high northern countries like um, Iceland and the northern parts of Sweden, Norway and Finland and where we are now, I think Denmark is an excellent compromise because you get to have uh, the best of two worlds in a sense. You have, of course, the culture and um, all that comes with being in Scandinavia, but also you have an intimate connection to the rest of Europe as well, which is what I feel um, perhaps is missing with living uh, in the high northern countries. Of course, they have their own appeals, but that's uh, something entirely different. And so uh, in summary, I guess uh, I found that uh, yeah, Denmark uh, and specifically this place uh, that we're in now, Roskilde, uh, was quite ideal uh, for my um, requirements and where I was in life at the time. And so looking back on it now, um, I can say that it's definitely been uh, a good decision. So much growth has happened here, so much, so many experiences. I've met so many people uh, and that's continuing to happen even uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. So... Yeah, that's uh, kind of <laughs> the shortened version of it, uh, how I ended up here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, tell me about you. Uh, how did you end up here? Because you're from the United States, of course. You're from Washington State yeah. in the <clears throat> far uh, uh, west of the uh, United States, the northwest, I believe. Yeah, uh -huh. basically the corner. Yes, yes. Well, basically it is the corner. Uh-huh. I will say that I don't have a more strategic plan like you did. <laughs> it was just kind of, I wanted to end my bachelor's in a different country. Mm -hmm. That was the goal. I was like something big, something mm -hmm. like climactic. And I remember just going to my administrative office and just being like anywhere, just please. Because <laughs> I was like Spain, Japan, uh -huh. like uh, Cuba, something, uh -huh. just an island. And they told me Denmark would be the easiest. And I ended up coming here with no hopes that it was going to be successful. And it worked. Mm -hmm. And it was at the time, like, we had, like, 54 cases or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, getting onto the train and, like, getting through immigration. And mm -hmm. they, like, almost didn't let me in. And I ended up getting in with no COVID test. And I remember going on with the train with the mask on, people looking at me like, what is he doing? <laughs> and... It was a simple decision like that of just wanting to get out and explore the world. Because in the States, if you um, kind of hear about Europe, it's just like, oh, you do that in college. Mm -hmm. And that's the fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a lot of people, uh, older, an older generation of just like, what is the one thing that you regret not doing? Mm -hmm. And some of them would be like traveling the world. Yeah. Or like doing, and specifically in college, is like not doing an exchange. Mm -hmm. And so I took that and was just like, am I going to fall into the same narrative of their life or mm -hmm. am I going to try and do something? And I wanted to be a little bit ambitious. Yeah. So I ended up deciding whatever part of the world it would be. It could be the Middle East. It could be Australia. Mm -hmm. I was just going to end up there. Mm -hmm. Conveniently, though, I had a Danish roommate yeah. who is a phenomenally fun person. And he ended up being my sponsor and getting me here. Okay. Had no intention at the time. And he just talked up Riskilled a lot mm -hmm. of how similar it was to my college as his. And mm -hmm. it's the hippie college. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, I ended up being able to reconnect with him since I got here. And his girlfriend oh, cool. that he decided to uh, court while he was in the States is now here. Okay. And it's just this nice full circle of just being able to see how small the world can be sometimes uh, and uh-huh. just to kind of make that connection. Yeah. yeah. And I, I find that very beautiful. So just when it comes to, especially when it comes to this theme of Gimli talks yeah. and the internal dialogue, mm-hmm. there's an important part of Gimli, which is the music. Sure. And we've kind of discussed this here and there, and mm-hmm. especially when it comes to our cultures, like mine's very oversaturated and I know little to nothing about yours. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, let's just say a genre or anything on the lines of that, how would you describe Lesotho's like influence on music and maybe something that is unique to you that you kind of carry with you since you've been kind of traveling Europe mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that you would uh, share with people just mm-hmm. to kind of gain that unique perspective? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Where to start with this? Well. Lesotho is a very small country, uh, not just in the world, but also uh, in Africa as well. Uh, Its location in the world is also uh, a little bit weird. We're completely surrounded by perhaps one of the most famous countries in Africa, uh, South Africa. So most people, in fact, don't even know that Lesotho exists because of our famous neighbor. When people look at a map of Africa, they, they know, oh, South Africa, Nelson Mandela, and that's all they see. But uh, they don't see that tiny little circle there, which is, uh, if you ask many people from Lesotho, the heart of the region. Because, of course, uh, without the heart, the entire body cannot function. Um, and so when it comes to music, Uh, If you look at the history of the region, Lesotho became an independent country long before South Africa did. And so a lot of literature um, in the native Sesotho language was actually developed first in Lesotho and then later on uh, to South Africa after South Africa became independent. And with the development of literature also came the development of the arts in the Sesotho language again. And... Of course, uh, uh, a lot of artists from Lesotho later moved to South Africa, which is a much bigger platform. And so mm, the genres of music, I think the most famous genre of music that uh, a lot of people resonate with is uh, something called famo, famo music. And so what it is, is it's a genre of music that rests uh, heavily on the accordion as a musical instrument. Really? Yes, yes, indeed. And so mm, it's a pity uh, you haven't heard any track from the Famo genre, but after this podcast, I'll send you a few tracks. But mm, essentially, uh, it involves uh, the artists playing the accordion uh, to a certain rhythm and then them narrating a poem. So mm, there's almost always a section of poetry in the tracks. I think in every single track that I've heard, there's a a section of poetry. So it's not just singing, but it's also a a recital of poetry. And so what distinguishes the best artists from uh, the average ones is their ability. I suppose this is the same uh, in every language, in every genre, but it is their ability to... Uh, convey a message in the most lyrically appealing way. But more broadly speaking, 
my personal um, taste on music uh, has been heavily influenced by my upbringing and where I grew up. Uh, I grew up, of course, with my parents and with my grandfather, and uh, they listened a lot to a genre of music called Afro jazz, specifically the brand from Southern Africa. And uh, many of the pioneers of this brand hailed from, of course, Lesotho, South Africa, but also Zimbabwe, uh, Zambia, and so on. Now, the interesting thing about uh, these, all of these countries is people speak different languages. So I understand some of the languages, but the majority of them I do not. But still, the music resonates very deeply with me. And so I think that's a, a very interesting thing uh, about music. You may not necessarily understand uh, the language that the artists are singing in, but somehow it still speaks to your soul. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, if you say that it's an accordion in poetry, I'm like mm -hmm. that does describe you a little bit. If I could say, <laughs> if you were a music music genre, uh -huh. I yeah, just when it comes to my side, we tend to be, you know, I would say, the center of attention mm -hmm. when it comes to some music, and so I grew up with the convenience of things always being in English. Mm -hmm. And it was surreal to kind of like go to countries where it, English isn't their native language. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even like taxi drivers who don't speak a word of English, mm -hmm. like would be singing English songs while I'm like in the car with them. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, this is, this is cool. <laughs> and it's, it's difficult. It's t also diff, it's a little difficult to like try and describe the United States with just one genre or one oh, instrument. Yeah. I would have to say if it came to Washington, which is four times larger than Denmark, <laughs> uh, and describe that in a genre, it would mm -hmm. be grunge. Cause, grunge. Yeah. What so, is grunge? Ooh, <laughs> you asked the right person. Uh, if you know Nirvana, uh -huh. if you know even um, Soundgarden or any of those bands that kind of grew up in the 90s, it mm -hmm. was a rebellious act from the 80s, which was like the butt metal mm -hmm. and just like Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. They were trying to redefine it and make it where like you didn't have to be a good singer you could mm -hmm. just be this raunchy just wearing like torn jeans and still be a like a famous star mm -hmm. that kind of originated from that point but it was this idea of freedom mm -hmm. that came from it and you could be as loud as you wanted you could scream the vocals and just like throw stuff at the audience and people mm -hmm. would love you even more mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. uh, I would go to shows, local shows, and I would just have people scream in my ear and I would come out not being able to hear my friends. <laughs> and yes, it damaged my ears over time, but mm -hmm. the experience of it, of just that idea of freedom, uh, resonated with me a lot. And I still carry that because it is this lack of understanding that can come from it, of people always assuming that you need to have this good showmanship mm -hmm. a little bit. Because I've seen some shows where an artist, like peed himself on stage okay and people applauded it on and then purpose he on did that purpose oh, wow. yeah okay. he like drank a six-pack yeah uh i'll mac demarco if anyone knows him <laughs> uh and people wanted him to strip on stage but that's kind of in my area mm -hmm. the idea of like a good show is just like how bizarre can this be mm -hmm. and i know that there are certain movements in music whereas uh trying to redefine itself and challenge the norm mm -hmm. and that's kind of where i come from is you don't know what's necessarily around the corner mm -hmm. 
and they always want to do some post idea to a very popular genre and make it and redefine it in the way that they want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I could go on a list of different ones because the moment I was leaving my hometown, uh, like humble or what was it? It's like mumble rap. Mm -hmm. Like you just be as quiet as possible. Like, I can't hear you. Like, please, (laughs) please talk louder. Actually became very popular and it was Mm -hmm. controversial for the time. But that's that's kind of what I like is uh, always trying to push the envelope as well as uh, make it where you see something new and mm-hmm. unique and uh, it's encouraged mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And even if it fails or it flops on itself, it's very interesting to kind of see a new direction for it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's also popular, and especially when it comes to shows back home, is like you'll see... Uh, a musician just hop down off the stage and just sing in the middle of the crowd and like start a mosh pit or something (laughs) ridiculous. Uh, But I would say even when it comes to like Europe and coming here, I took an idea that I would listen to more classical music. Okay. And being like, oh, it's the history of like, Uh like if I was going to take it on the anthropological standpoint, (laughs) this is where humans started or something. And I was curious to kind of see the history and people's perspectives of music mm-hmm. and I was in some cases a little uh, I wouldn't say disappointed but not necessarily surprised at the same time of seeing how the United States also has like a heavy footprint mm-hmm. here too mm-hmm. but even when it comes to Denmark mm-hmm. uh, local bands what they sing mm-hmm. and like hearing actually Danish music yes, has been yes. really eye-opening for uh-huh. me too and so what has been your experience when it came to Let's just say you're in a new region. Right. You know, you can kind of redefine your music taste or find something else or listen to the same stuff. Mm -hmm. What has been new uh, since you've been here that you kind of discovered just by surprise Mm -hmm. or completely intentionally? And that was what you were hoping for Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. it comes to music. Mm, I'll circle back to that. But uh, I like what you said about um, how the United States has this heavy footprint uh, all across the world. It's not just Europe, it's everywhere. Uh, I think uh, just music and art from the United States, uh, everyone from all over the world is familiar with. And so um, I too, uh, of course, know a lot of artists uh, and music uh, from the United States. And um, I grew up with a lot of it too. So the US uh, music culture has had a heavy influence on me too. But to answer your question, um, I I quite like some of the uh, music styles, especially here in Denmark. I remember when we started with the foundation course, there was a track that I believe had taken the whole of Denmark by great storm. Uh, I think it's called uh, Solherv or something uh, Along that, uh, I don't know if Solherv is the name of the artist, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a very fun track to listen to that you can jam to uh, uh, for just about any uh, celebratory uh, occasion. Um, just, I guess, house music uh, in Denmark, I think, has truly opened my eyes to a totally different genre of music that I wasn't aware uh, existed. And it's quite interesting, um, I think, discovering these uh, genres of music because, of course, when you think of the musical scene in Europe, like you said, there's classical music that everybody knows and everyone studies perhaps uh, when they are young. Uh, That's all well and good, but I think being exposed to what young people these days are listening to, uh, so the Danish people uh, who 
I live with, for example, they're always an interesting um, contact point between me and the musical culture in this country. Uh, and even though, of course, I don't uh, understand the language all too well, uh, I do find it quite interesting to just listen and uh, kind of uh, allow myself to get lost in the, uh, yeah, the music uh, of, of this place. Mm. I think mm, music is also uh, an interesting way for people to uh, find each other and connect with each other. I have a flatmate who, uh, it's very difficult, I think, to... Mm, get to know Danish people. This is well known throughout the world. Uh, but I think how we've managed to find each other was through music. So me taking an interest in in his um, musical tastes and asking to know more about, uh, so what do these lyrics mean and why do you like it so much? Or finding out what are people listening to these days and uh, of course, uh, clubs and other social gathering venues are closed now, but uh, listening to Danish people explain what they would be listening to if they were to be in social scenes and so forth, I think that's, uh, that's quite interesting. Mm. One of the draws for me, uh, especially uh, of Roskilde, was the Roskilde Festival. And I think that's uh, one of the main uh, cultural exports from Denmark in general. Uh, perhaps it is what makes uh, this city particularly well known throughout the world. Mm, it is a great pity, of course, that uh, because of the pandemic, uh, it doesn't seem likely that uh, the, the, the festival will go on. But uh, I've seen video footage of some of the past events, and uh, it's quite interesting seeing how uh, even though, of course, uh, it is Denmark, but it does have that ability to bring together different artists from different parts of the world. I believe for last year they had uh, the likes of Taylor Swift and uh, other big cultural icons, including some of uh, some artists that I hadn't heard of, local ones, and I was looking forward to um, to being a part of that. But hopefully, uh, in the future, that will be a possibility. Yeah, I know. I've especially going back home, festivals are so popular mm -hmm. and I've never been to one. <laughs> and it's, I find it interesting as well, especially coming here because I share a playlist with like my Danish roommate back home mm -hmm. who lives here now. And I was just like, he's playing so much EDM. Is EDM just the popular genre in Denmark? Mm -hmm. Oh no. Uh, Cause I was trying to escape that, but it's relatively, uh, there's like an 80s synth. I like, pop genre that I've noticed quite a bit too when I talk to people and that's where I find it so intriguing is like it's natural influences mm -hmm. and maybe where the direction that it's going to be going I do wish that there are more festivals going on and sure. you could kind of have sure. that idea it's the beauty of the Raven is that mm -hmm. they're always throwing shows mm -hmm. and that's kind of where you can learn more and more of just the music scene here. Mm -hmm. Hip hop has taken the world by storm a little mm -hmm. bit I would say and I've noticed that too and that's where it's just like there are subgenres mm -hmm. and hip-hop that have become very popular in denmark mm -hmm. that was unsuspecting mm -hmm. and i yeah when it comes to like different languages and going back onto that point that was one thing that i may have taken for granted is that everything tended to be in english mm -hmm. and so i wanted to get a more worldly perspective mm -hmm. let's just say i had mm -hmm. a little revelation and 
the first one that I actually touched on was Bossa Nova, okay. which was down in Brazil. Yeah. And it does have like a very classical feel to it. It's mm -hmm. like, man, if you just like listen to the music and close your eyes, you're just picturing flowers in a river and a lake. And mm -hmm. it's just like this fantasy. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I find very intriguing when it comes to people's approaches to music mm -hmm. and uh, where I tend to diverge and where I think some people may resonate with it mm -hmm. is I actually really like slow, melodramatic, melancholy music. Okay. But it makes me so happy to listen to because <laughs> I remember sharing that with you mm -hmm. at one point yes, in time. Yes, I, I do remember I know, that. And yeah. you didn't respond <laughs> at one point. And I was like, oh no, like, is he going to judge me on this too? No, that was because uh, it was a very long track that you shared with me. I think it was 20 minutes long. It's 20 minutes long, yes. And so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, after you sent it to me, I thought to myself, well, uh, this is a very meaningful track to Cameron. And so what I should do is give it the due time and consideration that it deserves. And so I waited until I had the time to actually listen properly to it. And I think I was doing my um, homework at some point. And so I put it on and listened to it for the full 20 minutes, as well as other tracks from the same uh, artists. And uh, yeah, I think it, it was quite, uh, it allowed me to get um, a deeper sense, I guess, of you as a person. Because uh, how you uh, explained it to me, uh, I believe you told me that this was indeed one of your top uh, or most favorite uh, artists and favorite tracks as well. And so, um, if someone puts so much weight on a particular track, I think uh, it deserves due time and consideration. And so that's what I gave it. And so, um, yeah, I think after I listened to it, it changed my uh, opinion of you a little bit in a positive way in that it, I think, made me realize that you are a much more complex person than I first uh, thought initially when I met you. Because... To be uh, totally honest, I had never been um, exposed to this type of genre before, let alone uh, uh, never have I uh, had the opportunity or inclination to listen to a 20-minute track uh, from uh, the same artist. I think it's not uh, something usual to do, but nevertheless, it was a, a very interesting experience. Okay. Yeah, and thank you for that. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. That's why I have to be like really careful with who I share it with. Um, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite song? Like full scope. Like in this moment, if you could think of just one song that would be MPT's definition of like his favorite song, do you have one? This is a song that I <clears throat> keep going back to a lot these days. It is one of my favorite songs. I don't know if it is absolutely my favorite song, but it definitely is one of. And uh, the track name is uh, Wasakara. It's by uh, a man named Oliver Mtukudzi. He was a very, very, very famous uh, Zimbabwean musician. And so what the word Wasakara means is you're getting old or you're aging. And so in that song, uh, he talks about how um, as a person ages and goes through the different stages of life, there are certain things that he should uh, do and be aware of. Mm, and part of that is um, simply getting your affairs in order in general. 
in as far as uh, I suppose living in a more impactful and meaningful way and so that's kind of the scope of the song and so um, this track I think has taken particular resonance with me these days because I haven't been to Lesotho now in uh, yeah just about two just over two years and so um, in that time a lot has happened to people I know back home and also people here as well and it has uh, finally hit home to me, I guess, that I am indeed getting older. And uh, because, you know, as you get older, of course, your friends get married and some of them have children and there are these big life changes that uh, nowadays I experience uh, vicariously or remotely from here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the main reasons why I keep going back to, to this track a lot these days because it's an old track, I think... Uh, the artist made it almost uh, 20 years ago. But uh, yeah, I think I listen to it a lot uh, these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The follow-up and essentially what you kind of covered is what, when do you find yourself listening to the specific track? Mm -hmm. Like, is it when you're feeling in this specific moment mm -hmm. of uh, reminiscent of home and mm -hmm. having this thought you, it could be just the effect of it has. Like, mm -hmm. if it just comes up randomly, this is what you're thinking about when you're listening to this track mm -hmm. is just like, is it, do you have this feeling of like feeling rushed in life of like, oh, I'm not doing enough? Mm -hmm. Or is it just like, it can have this optimistic and like encouraging feeling of just like, I'm doing so much mm -hmm. and I'm getting older and I'm mm -hmm. like seeing all these th great things happening. I'm not part of them, but mm -hmm. there are like so many moving pieces and I get to just kind of live and see them happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of the effect of it? Because it can be listening to some music puts you in a very like sad state or is mm -hmm. this one that, makes you feel very good mm -hmm. and that you find yourself going back to it because you enjoy that feeling that it gives you and the thoughts that come with it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a quite a packed uh, question. <clears throat> I would say, firstly, how I came to start, how I came to know this track in the first place was I would hear it a lot uh, in my childhood, which is when it was first released and it was a very big hit because uh, in fact, when the artist first released it, it was kind of a satirical uh, thing that he was doing uh, because uh, his country had had a president who had been there for many, many, many years, almost four decades. And so him uh, saying, you're getting old, was a backhanded way of encouraging that president to retire. But he did it in such an intelligent way that it also spoke broadly to the general population to get your affairs in order, settle things and make space for the next generation. And so <clears throat> uh, the reason why I think I keep going back to it now yeah, is I guess part of it indeed uh, the nostalgia uh, mm -hmm. in that it brings me back to those moments uh, of my childhood. But also I guess... I don't think that I, uh, because you asked if I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm rushed in life. I, I don't necessarily think that I'm rushed uh, per se or in a rush myself. But I think from time to time, it is important uh, to reflect on your progression in life and to examine uh, where you've been and where you're going. And I think music 
specifically tracks like this provide you an excellent opportunity to do precisely that. Mm. And it uh, having been, um, we just went through the start of the uh, of this year, and you know it's we're in the midst of a pandemic where a lot of uh, social obligations have been eliminated and people are spending uh, more time at home and also have more free time. And what I like to do at least is to use that time partly to reflect. And I think uh, this track particularly puts me in a reflective mood, mm. not one necessarily of sadness or particularly happiness, but just taking stock of my life and my experiences and those of uh, people that I've uh, met along the way. And uh, in fact, I think this is an interesting uh, segue into uh, particularly um, these uh, or this track that you sent me that you said was uh, one of your uh, favorite tracks. Uh, maybe you could expand on why uh, you like it so much and uh, pretty much the same uh, question that you threw at me, thrown right back at you, like, why? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the track that I shared with mm -hmm. the PT is Blaze Bailey Finnegan the mm Third -hmm. uh, by Godspeed You Black Emperor, which is a post-rock band from uh, Quebec, Canada. Mm -hmm. And Sleep was the first one that I threw your direction, mm -hmm. and that was the one that got me into the band. But that track in particular is more of a character study. Mm -hmm. If you look at the lyrics themselves, it's actually an interview that one of the band members has with just a random homeless guy okay. uh, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And his is about this. The story goes of him going to court because he had a speeding ticket. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the judge and throws it at him and throws the $20. And he's just like, I can like throw you in jail. And he's mm -hmm. like, I don't care. Like, I am just at this point in life that you can do whatever you want to me. You have all this power. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? And he kind of challenges the judge. Mm -hmm. And so if you hear him talk, you're just like, oh, this man, he's like breaking from the fold mm -hmm. of life. And if you hear him talk, he's just like preaching a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he kind of references a preacher over time. Mm -hmm. And then he you find out later, especially at the latter end, he came from this poetry out loud mm -hmm. and they ask him to read his poem mm -hmm. and you hear this poem and you're just like, this is so well written mm -hmm. and you're really blown away by it. And it's never revealed in the track at all. Mm -hmm. And what you find out if you look it up, because I was so infatuated by this story is that they were actually stolen lyrics from an Iron Maiden song. Okay. And he completely fabricated that. I don't know <laughs> if the story's real or any of that, or if he took it from someone but it's kind of where you can get infatuated with someone without getting to know them in a general sense. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to the track, it's overlaid with like violin and piano. It kind of gives a more elevated feeling. Mm -hmm. And then it closes on just this beautiful sound. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't even say it. They're very ambient. Mm -hmm. uh, Godspeed to Black Emperor tends to be. It's actually not my favorite track. It's my favorite track by them. Right. Uh, my favorite track of all time is definitely one called Could Have Moved Mountains. Okay. And it's by a band called a Silver Mount Zion Memorial Orchestra and Tra La La Band. That is their full name. <laughs> That's quite and, a... Could yeah. Have Moved Mountains. Could Have Moved Mountains. Okay. And I find myself going back to that track in particular uh, because the idea of just the name itself, Could Have Moved Mountains, is just like my interpretation of it goes back to 
being a big dreamer of like being 18, being like life can throw whatever they want at me mm -hmm. and I can take it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of find yourself being like, I can do these things, but life is so hard mm -hmm. that I can't do them. And so I find myself going back to that track being like, if I died tomorrow mm -hmm. or something serious happens, mm -hmm. uh, I would have had the ability to move mountains, but because life was getting in the way and all these obstacles, I was unable to do so. Mm -hmm. And that's where I found myself was, I was trying to do big things and they were unsuccessful and that's just like failure, you know? Mm -hmm. And I would go to that track and just being like, hey, like life is gonna keep moving forward and just to keep pushing. And so I would listen to that track and it's a beautiful track. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. I'll definitely yeah. check it out, I think. Yeah, yeah it's it also sounds... really sad. <laughs> that's the thing is when it comes to like very uh, soft music, I get happy a okay. little bit. It puts you in a, it puts me in a state of mind of just optimism. Mm -hmm and just really taking life as it is mm -hmm. and trying to face reality on reality's terms. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, you can just be such a dreamer mm -hmm. and you're being unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where you have to look at it in a very balanced sense. And whatever mm -hmm. can bring me to that point in revelation, mm -hmm. I will find whatever avenue I need to get there to kind of come back to mm -hmm. ground a little mm -hmm. bit. And so that was like a defining moment. Currently, the song that I'm just going back to is, uh, and what I love is, trying to define a moment in life by a song. So like, I'll be listening to the song on repeat because something great's going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. going to keep playing this because mm -hmm. I love what it's making me feel. Mm -hmm. And when that moment's gone, you can always listen to that track and just remember, mm -hmm. you know, and you have that attachment, that nostalgia of the mm -hmm. moment. And even when it comes to like this moment in time, uh, there is a track in mind that I've been listening to and going back to, and that it's going to be defining January as well as February mm -hmm. of my time in Denmark and going through this interesting shutdown in this period of my life. Mm -hmm. And now I don't know what's around the corner, mm -hmm. you know? What is that song, by the way? It is White Gloves by Krongbin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's referencing back to like uh, a girl with white gloves that you just are idolizing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is referenced to a specific person. Mm -hmm. And now that person's gone. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember... When she was leaving, I'm just like, I've been listening to the song on repeat. Mm -hmm. If you want to listen to it, it actually <laughs> defines our like whole relationship. Mm -hmm. And it means a lot to me. And I, every time I hear it, I think about you. Mm -hmm. And th I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And I think some people may take that approach as well. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of the two songs that I have. I don't know if is the one that you're listening to currently the one that uh, is from. I forget the name of it. I'm so sorry. Of oh, your favorite track, I don't blame you. Of course, it's a it's a foreign language. Uh, the name is Wasakara. Wasakara, mm -hmm. and is that the song that you're listening to currently, or? Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the songs that I uh, keep going back to uh, these days. But much like you, I think different uh, phases of my life are, uh, I guess, mm, encompassed or encapsulated in different songs. Uh, I look back to when I was in high school, there were songs that were very popular uh, in those days that uh, we would listen to uh, as uh, high school students. And every time I hear them today, they always take me back to those days. And so I think, yeah, definitely uh, certain songs have that uh, ability to be connected to a certain phase in life, but also to different places as well, or to different people, like in your case. Mm. Yeah, I could think of a number of tracks, I think. Uh, let's see. Mm. 
as I said, this particular track that I just mentioned, that was that's a song that uh, uh, my dad actually listened to quite a bit uh, growing up. And every time I listen to it, it always reminds me of him. And I call him uh, at times to say, oh, yeah, you know, every time I listen to this track, uh, it reminds me of you. And he's like, oh, I'm glad that uh, if anything, I've at least given you good music taste. <laughs> no, that says the same. Yeah, I yeah, and that's the thing. I kind of have fun with my family because mm-hmm. my dad's a huge Billy Joel fan. Okay, and his name's Joel, so mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a connection. Ah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm kind of holding off on becoming a Billy Joel fan. Just been like until later. <laughs> like right now, if I'm just gonna please every like piece of your music taste, then yeah, I'm yeah. just rushing it. Uh-huh. But yeah. Uh, do you have uh, like? Would you say that that is the artist that defines like your family? Because my family in particular, we have an artist that like, oh, we'll go head over heels and see them in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. Uh, that actually defined my childhood because, okay. you know, you're brought up by your family uh-huh. and uh, their music taste has such a heavy sure. influence on sure. it. So is there like an artist in particular that you've grown up with uh-huh. that if you haven't seen them live or any connection on that front, that uh-huh. it would be the dream to like see them because then it would be the full circle of like you've grown up hearing this person uh-huh. and you finally get to see them. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know that uh, there's uh, a particular artist that uh, fits this role, Mm, but perhaps maybe a specific music genre that does fit this role, uh, certainly. And I suppose if you think of music genres, you will think of artists and, um, and, 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 and their songs. And so I suppose, yeah, there are some artists that uh, I suppose if I heard that they were going to be, uh, in a particular location, I would absolutely drop everything and go and uh, uh, and watch their concert. I remember, uh, in fact, one of my good uh, friends, he's from Japan. When we were in Norway, he found out that Taylor Swift was going to perform in Oslo. Uh, this is in July of last year. And so uh, he was talking about it all the time. And so uh, a bunch of us bought tickets to go to the Taylor Swift concert. Uh, unfortunately, because of COVID, it got cancelled, so uh, mm-hmm. we didn't end up going. But um, yeah, music, I guess, has that uh, appeal on people. And I must say, in fact, that at that point, I was not such a big Taylor Swift fan uh, because I wasn't uh, too exposed to her music. But afterwards, I listened to some of her songs, and I will admit that they are quite catchy. Oh, <laughs> it happens. I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. Okay. Uh, no. We all have our Taylor Swift moments, so maybe yours will come. I don't know. See, the thing is, is like there are Taylor Swift songs, and I don't realize that they're her. And I'm just like humming to them, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, no. Like, I finally did it. That's actually Lady Gaga, and I, I will admit that. Yeah. That there are some Lady Gaga tracks mm-hmm. that have gone to me. And no, I, so growing up for me, concerts mm-hmm. have been a huge part. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even count the amount of concerts I've been to. Mm-hmm. Has that kind of been the same experience for you? Cause it's like a whole different world. Like mm-hmm. you can listen to tracks over and over and over again, but once mm-hmm. you hear it live by that specific artist, it just takes on a different, uh, like character, mm-hmm. uh, were there a lot of concerts happening in Los Soto, or has that just been kind of your experience since you've moved away? Mm-hmm. Mm, I did not uh, go to too many concerts, uh, uh, I guess, in my life. Mm, I guess it just hasn't been a big part of my upbringing. But I do remember particularly there was uh, one time, uh, I think I was maybe... Um, in middle school, uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, 
Lil Wayne and T-Pain and a bunch of other artists, they had this huge uh, combined concert in Johannesburg. And this concert was on a weekend. <clears throat> of course, I knew these artists, but at that time, uh, yeah, I just knew them as artists and I wasn't too captivated by their music. Uh, but a bunch of people from that age group definitely were. And I remember going to school uh, on the Friday of the weekend, and I think about 60% of my class was not there because most of them had gone to Johannesburg to watch this concert because it, it's such a rare thing to have uh, these big, big world-renowned artists performing so close to home. And so I guess um, <clears throat> you, of course, uh, drop everything when, uh, when they're close by. But if I'm to mention particular performances that I think have, um, have had... Uh, uh, I guess, uh, a great impact on me. I remember in 2010, um, during the uh, opening ceremony of the World Cup in uh, Johannesburg, I actually watched uh, live the uh, performance by Shakira doing uh, Waka Waka and the dance, and that was just uh, a very memorable time. And, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess, one... It wasn't really a concert per se, but it was a performance, I guess, of... Uh, yeah, that, that I I think fondly of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have you seen, like, been to a concert? Have I been to a concert? Yes, yes I've been to concerts, but not concerts of uh, well-known artists. Uh, in Europe, like, for example, in France, I went to quite a few uh, indie music uh, concerts by uh, local artists. Mm. Yeah, but uh, very, I guess, small and uh, locally organized types of concerts. Mm -hmm. No, those can be like the funnest. Mm -hmm. I find that, um, and this was my experience, is like if it's like the arenas, like you see this big band, mm -hmm. like Foo Fighters or something like mm -hmm. that, uh, and then you're like in the corner of it and you have mm -hmm. to bring binoculars just to like see them or you go to a small show. Mm -hmm. They're very different experiences and you may have more fun mm -hmm like at the smaller venue mm -hmm. and that I think is like the spectacle of it a little bit is sure. like you're just going because you are such a big fan of them but you're mm -hmm. just kind of sitting there listening to the same music but it's live mm -hmm. or you're very involved with the entire uh like show when it's just a small band because mm -hmm. you are showing how much you enjoy the music and then you can kind of see that they're responding to you and mm -hmm. then vice versa mm -hmm. and I think when it comes to concerts that's so important because mm -hmm. there was actually one show that I've been to and they were about to break up okay. and they were actually a pretty big band. Mm -hmm. And so they sold out that show because everyone's like, this is their last one. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they were the ones that kind of abused their audience a little bit. Oh. Uh, so I went there and they made us wait an hour mm -hmm. for them to start. Mm -hmm. And once they did, uh, everyone was so excited. And at the time I had hair down to, down to here, I was a very <laughs> long haired person. And I remember I let my hair down and then people were just like going all over the place. And I came out of that show with my hair completely dried up from slobber mm -hmm. and uh, not taking a shower that night. And then I woke up in a daze, mm -hmm. uh, just covered in sweat and just putrid smell. Mm -hmm. And I remember having such a good time. And then I like started to get up out of bed and all my friends were sleeping on the floor. There was like a thing of meat in the sink and I don't remember why. <laughs> uh, I won't even explain it. Uh, but I remember getting up and like finding that my ribs and my waist were so sore and bruised because people were pushing each other so hard and just moving around. Mm -hmm. And 
I like reflect on it so fondly because it was like it could be the last show and they right. were putting on such a they were such good showmans. Yeah. And it was in that small venue. So I'm like trying to chase the unicorn a little bit mm-hmm. of just trying to find those experiences again. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like maybe it's the genre. And it mm-hmm. turns out it's not even the genre, it's more of the people within the bands and how they present themselves to mm-hmm. the audience. And I think that that's equally important a little bit. True. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I and that's kind of where it can be important, too. And where I find it very interesting is you can go the conventional route and kind of be very easygoing and uh, receptive to like how people feel about you and humble. Or you Mm -hmm. can be like the like very egotistical, Mm -hmm. just like big shot Mm -hmm. and what how people kind of respond to you and it's kind of uh what i find so intriguing is i'm actually diverging away from the people that are big shots that Mm -hmm. kind of take like they want the center stage Mm -hmm. and maybe the ones that they do it because they love yeah the idea of music yeah and uh seeing how they go about it but they're very despondent a little bit and kind of push people away because it wasn't their intention was to become popular Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think especially when it comes to talking with people especially when it comes to music and being a musician uh, how they would take it if things actually end up being successful. Mm-hmm. Because some of them, and when I go back being at home and local artists, and especially ones that are here, mm-hmm. is that they don't have any intention because they love what their life is. And if mm-hmm. it became this notoriety that all of a sudden presented itself mm-hmm. and everyone could recognize them, that it would ruin mm-hmm. a little bit like the beauty of the music that they're making. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting when it comes to some musicians because mm-hmm. they're pushing this point of like going to shows and maybe more people are coming mm-hmm. and that they love that idea, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they don't want it to get to a point mm-hmm. of uh, having it where it's too successful. And I don't know. I find that very, very interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. yeah I'm, you, on, on the note that you mentioned of um, having artists that i guess aren't particularly uh, too well renowned but also uh, that have an ability to bring people together uh, i think here um, in roskiller and especially here uh, uh, at gimler um, we're very lucky because uh, we have our friend uh, tice uh, and his bandmates uh, i believe they have a band called b-side or in danish i think it's b-seal Mm-hmm. or words to that effect Perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again on what you said about doing things kind of uh, chasing the unicorn in a sense they performed a lot towards the end of uh, last semester and it's funny because we didn't know it at the time that we would be in such a long lockdown but looking back on it now in hindsight performances like that which I guess going back to your question about have I attended any concerts, I suppose there you have it. I've been to a few concerts uh, here uh, in in Roskilde, but uh, attending concerts like that uh, and having had the opportunity to do so around this time, especially given the current context that we're in now, uh, it does uh, definitely feel like uh, one had the opportunity to ride a unicorn while it was still around before it uh, went off into the sunset. So, yeah, that's that's quite cool. No, that's actually a good point to say. <laughs> <laughs> Should just excerpt that and just keep it, keep it in the back. <laughs> yeah. No, because I'm talking to, like, some of my friends and revolving about this particular and unfortunate situation is, like, my friends didn't know uh, the ones that are in bands. 
that they would that was their last show mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. they were playing in a bar and it was march of last year mm -hmm. they messaged me and just being like oh yeah it's been a year mm -hmm. since we actually did a concert mm -hmm. uh thankfully they're like doing more work mm -hmm. and in the studio so i'm like oh thank god mm -hmm. like i really enjoy what they make and every single time that they produce something more i'm blown away by it mm -hmm. um back when i was in olympia washington uh, i was trying to help them get a show because they were going to do a tour and because they were so unknown uh i got them a show and the guy thankfully was just like oh i'll put you in the middle of the act and at the beginning it was the show the bands that they wanted to see the audience and then they all dipped and then when they came on, I was the only one there. So I decided to just grab a chair and mm -hmm. plant it in the center of the stage and just watch them play. But it was an incredible show. Like, I got to <laughs> say, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I also find intriguing of just like the support and how to build a fandom. Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's online. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that happening more and more. Mm. And it's that's kind of what I find interesting, too, is like how people start up. Mm -hmm. and the avenues that they can kind of take and uh like i have friends that are soundcloud rappers and i'm just like oh god like <laughs> that's the route you decided to go you're beautiful at guitar but like you decided to become a rapper <laughs> and uh the persona that they create is very interesting but it's what kind of resonates with them and uh that's also intriguing because even when it comes to here like we have someone that's a musician anonymously just off off screen uh, who's an incredible drummer and plays a lot of the music that I, I have close to home, which is like 70s progressive rock and just like early metal, mm -hmm. like Black Sabbath and all mm -hmm. that. And uh, what kind of sticks with them. And it just like, yeah, you can kind of see that it will attract a specific audience because of how successful it has mm -hmm. been. Mm -hmm. And it would be cool to kind of see a show because you know that it may not even be a younger audience. It will mm -hmm. be definitely an older one because they grew up with that mm -hmm. genre. Mm -hmm and why some people choose the genre that they have because i find it so intriguing why like 80s synth pop is popping up in denmark as well as certain areas mm -hmm. because it's going to attract an older audience because people especially ones that grew up in the 80s loved what music was being created at that time mm -hmm. and just trying to resonate with a larger audience mm -hmm. and trying to bring in a younger one too mm -hmm. and that's what i find intriguing because i've been the youngest person at a show as well as the oldest person at a show mm -hmm. and that's uncomfortable for me <laughs> to say yeah but no i it's very intriguing and i don't necessarily know when it comes to the raven i unfortunately haven't been able to see much i know that they tend to have comedy shows as well as different genres mm -hmm. uh coming through and it would be interesting to kind of see especially when things pick up mm -hmm. uh what will be coming around the corner sure sure yeah 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 and pt it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thank you very much, Cameron. Uh, likewise, and uh, thank you so much for this uh, lovely conversation. Uh, and I look forward to many more with you over the course of our time here. Oh, man, I'm so excited. All right, <laughs> then, yeah, I guess we can call it. Cheers. Oh.